0: Hey everyone, I'm Gracie. Welcome to the Grace of a Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. Keep listening to hear the incredible journey this week's guest has been on. Hi, Wren. Welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing good. Thank you for being here. And I'm super excited to hear more about your story. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So um, your dad served. So tell me a little bit about what branches he was in or what branch, you know, one singular most of the time, Mm -hmm, but what mm -hmm. branch he was in and kind of what he did in the
1: service. Okay. So my dad was, um, in the army and he served for 25 years. He actually did go around to different branches. Um, at one point he, um, was a recruiter, Um, but over time, he switched over to working with the embassy, Um, and so he worked with the DIA, and so that's the Defensive Intelligence Agency, Um, and a lot of people haven't heard that. They've heard of the CIA because, you know, it's really popularized in um, movies and shows, and so it's just, you know, like a common, like, you know, a lot of people grew up wanting to be spies and so um that's what he did um and so we actually grew up traveling with him um while he was in the military doing all of that
0: yeah so you like you said you traveled a lot where have you been have you lived in many different places or what was that like
1: yeah so um, it was really cool part of his job was um, working not on like bases as much because I f- I feel like a lot of the military friends that I made were actually on bases but we went to different countries. So I, I was actually not born in the United States. I was born in Bangladesh mm. um, because um, we went, all over the place. Um, right. We went to Bangladesh for a little bit and then we actually lived in Latvia um, and Myanmar, Burma. And essentially I've been to over um, 45 countries. Um, wow. I just did this recently because I know it's coming on here.
0: <laughs> but yeah, not
1: living in all of those. <laughs> but it's it was definitely a crazy experience that... I would never have been able to do except because it was a part of my dad's job um and so yeah that's just something I consider a huge blessing and yeah. being a part of that
0: yeah and you know like you said you've been over to 40 to over 40 countries like it's not typical unless like you know, you save up to travel, that you get to go to these different countries. But, you know, as military children, that's something that, you know, a lot of military kids can say they've been to so many different countries. They've, you know, lived Mm -hmm. in different countries.
1: Definitely. I agree with that. That's something that I think is so relatable among us. Mm -hmm. Um, And whenever I came back to America or while I was living in those countries and we would live in separate houses over there. um, Like if I was with other military children, that's something that we could bond over was the fact that, you know, we have been in different places and we yeah. we all grew up traveling and that's one thing that i really like actually about your podcast is that it's sharing the stories of people's lives so that way we can be like you know what we are you know like we all have these similarities even though sometimes we feel like we're different from other people yes. um so i really love that
0: yeah and you know looking into it and doing the research on it like there are over 1.2 billion military kids like that's you know where we just put the cap on it and say there's more or less than 1.2 billion military kids living on this planet right now and it's so crazy to hear you know the different stories like you've been all over the world like i haven't been all over the world yet and like mm-hmm. you know, some people have been to like 13 different schools you know within yeah. 12 years which is crazy
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I actually um, have been to several schools myself, just with traveling. Obviously, yeah, we stay in one spot. Um, my mom is a teacher. Um, and so she homeschooled us sometimes, um, depending on if there was a school available or not, or we'd be in private schools, or we actually did international schools. And when I came back to the states, um, I did public school. So I feel like I got a whole variety um, yeah. of learning. but I think that really helped, um, like grow like me as an individual. um, And I can see that like within the other military friends that I have, like how much like cultured they like, you know, how cultured we are because that's what we get to experience in life.
0: Yeah. And even, you know, one of the most popular um, station areas for military families is Germany. Um, You know, besides Mm -hmm. the United States, of course, but it's, if you get stationed in Germany, then it's a whole new culture. It's a whole new world over there um, rather than just being stateside. And so it is it's crazy hearing the stories of, you know, one of the girls who was on the podcast. She lived in Germany and she's lived in the States before. And so just the stories that she's had of you know, going to U.S. schools, going to German-based schools, going back to U.S. schools, you know, and, you know, just hearing that and the different experiences she's had in each school um, and whether it be a public-based school, a DOD brand school, a private school, homeschooling, like each experience is going to be so different.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. Definitely. Um, I think that there's always pros and cons within that, mm-hmm. um, um, that each of us can say, um, cause it's so, so hard, um, having to leave people all the time. I feel yeah. like, um, because it's harder to maintain those relationships. Now we have, you know, zooming, like that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> and we live in different states. Um, yeah. but I know when I started, um, I was pen-palling someone. Right. Um, one of my friends was from Taiwan and I met her when I lived in Paraguay and like we moved around and like, that's the way we like that, um, like continued our relationship. Um, and so being in the military, I think there's a lot of those like effortful communication to stay in touch with people as you move and transition.
0: Yeah. And even like, you know, like you said, now during this time, it's still, it's so much easier to stay in touch with people because we have like text, email, Zoom, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. We have so many different ways that technology connects us and we can send a message and it'll be, you know, to the other side of the world that same second. But it is still hard, you know, either way to keep friendships um, when you're not going to school with someone and seeing them every day, you know, you have to put yeah. in that
1: extra effort. Yeah. Um, that's something that I think um, is a huge blessing, especially with um, having parents in the military. I know I was blessed because my dad um, we We were able to move with him. But a lot of my friends, they stayed back in America as their dad was sent sent out. And so um, being able now to stay more in contact with their families while they're overseas, um, I think is a huge blessing. Um, Because I know like going into my dad's office as a kid was something that I didn't realize was like, oh, wow, you know, like I am able to do this until I grew up because back then it would be like, oh, you know, like what is when people ask me, like, what does your dad do? I was like, you know, like the DIA, like I told you. But for me, it was just like oh I don't really know what that is (laughs) like I just went in and I'd be like he has you know like these drawers in his office because you know it's just kind of like spy and so like we he he'd have in the bottom drawer this special paper that like you put water on it and it dissolved and I'd be like oh my gosh you know like this is so wild as a kid like I'd write these messages like me probably being like I love you as a kid and then it'd be like (laughs) (laughs) gone um but yeah, like now it's it's like we can stay more in touch with those people. And so like all the friends that I keep um, in touch with from the bases when I lived actually in Washington, D.C. for a while. And um, they're like, yeah, it's really nice that we can, you know, stay more in contact. I mean, depending on the case of where they are. Right. Um, stationed, of course. Yeah. But yeah. And
0: you know, thinking about it, like 10 years ago, my dad was deployed to Afghanistan. And like, you know, uh-huh. back then in like 2011, that's kind of when Skype started really becoming popular. And so uh-huh. we didn't even know what Skype was really, or how to use it. I mean, I was nine years old. So not that I would just, you know, <laughs> go on the computer and Skype or whatever. But um, Like, we really didn't have much contact with him while he was over there. My mom was able to email back and forth with him, and he'd send me and my sister letters because, you know, we were so young that we thought that was the coolest thing ever just sending letters. Of course. Being able to write letters and send packages and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But now, you know, I could only imagine. You know, the ways that families can stay in touch with their loved ones when they're deployed or when they're stationed overseas, like you were saying, and they stayed back in the States. There are just so many different ways that, you know, we can stay in touch and be able to communicate with the military community, you know, no matter where in the world you are.
1: Yes, yes. Um, I still love receiving letters. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to receive a letter every once in a while as long as it's not a bill
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes as long as you don't need my money I will (laughs) yes for sure um what kind of was it like growing up in this family moving around all the time was it hard you know leaving places or adapting to a new place and you know, just kind of living in a world where you don't even really know where you're going next, when you're going, or what Mm -hmm. kind of
1: experiences (laughs) was that? Yeah. um, So for me, I didn't realize for a while how like different we were being military children until later. Um, Because all that I really had as a constant like thing around me was my immediate family. So like my parents and my siblings that I have, Um, because we would move like literally every year, sometimes less. We've stayed in two places once um, for like two years. But other than that, it would be moving all the time. And sometimes they wouldn't tell us um, like, like we'd be um, supposed to be going somewhere like living in Egypt. And, um, so that's where they tell us. So we pack up all of our stuff. Um, and then, um, they like go ahead and say, okay, you're going there. So this one time we sent all of our stuff there. Um, and then they're like, Oh, sorry. Um, you're actually going to be moving to Paraguay. (laughs) Um, and so we were like, Okay, you know, um you can't do anything about this, you know, because it's a it's a part of your your life. And so we picked up all of our like like all of our stuff as in one backpack and like one suitcase that we had left behind. Um and we went over and we moved to Paraguay and like we lived out of our backpacks for like literally like two months until the luggage, all of that stuff came back and some of it got lost. So um like just not having like the access to like always know where your things are so you don't have that stable um that stableness um is probably that's actually probably not the right word but you know what i mean <laughs> you're not <laughs> um, living not in a stable environment is like yes exactly um is something that can be really difficult Um, but that, that's something that made me even more thankful for, um, for my family um, that I had. And it also made it so that way I had to like, learn to, um, meet new people. Like that, that sounds crazy. I'm actually an introvert. You might not be able to tell from this, but like, (laughs) I had to learn how to be how to be extroverted when meeting someone Yeah, because I had to make all those new, uh, friendships and connections with people. We literally, um, practiced because of my, my dad, he would have to go to different functions or like balls and stuff. And, um, he was actually pretty high up there, um, where he worked. Um, I'm transitioning from stories here. So <laughs> let me know if I'm going too crazy. No, you're but, perfect. Um, but he where he was actually um was they have like clearance levels for them so essentially he had to go through these testings in order to get to a certain clearance level so we've actually probably seen this in movies but um like lie detectors. Like he had to learn how to deceive those lie detectors basically. Um, like he tells me these stories and like now, honestly, he has PTSD from some of the stuff that he's done. Mm -hmm. Um, but like he's at such a top clearance level that the name itself is like classified for the information that he, um, receives from that. And so like, as a kid, um, like we would have to learn like to ask certain questions to people um, just to make sure that like we could keep everything under wraps. So for example, we would have these keywords um, that we would say to let, let my family know, Hey, this is an emergency situation like something's wrong here and we need to leave Mm -hmm. and so like because we weren't in safe environments um we would know from that word and it would be like a common day word um like it could be sweater like I'm not saying it because we actually still use it sometimes (laughs) we're like I don't know we're crazy but um like it could be sweater so we would say that word in a sentence and we would all like be more alert and looking around so just as a kid like moving from place to place and having to like deal with that high like stress level even as a kid um I think it it would as a kid it was more of a game but now looking back I just think like wow like that was the life I was living before, you yeah. know, like, it's so interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's so interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely appreciated whenever um we would go onto the military um, bases back in the States and we would get to talk with other people. Cause um, one of the things that you've mentioned on your podcast is every story is unique. Mm-hmm. And so like, we would talk about the similarities but also the differences and we could relate to one another like other people and had traveled you know other people had lived off of the bases before and like some people when living um off bases but close to the embassy those other children like they would they would talk to us like you know like we didn't always feel safe where we were either. Um, <laughs> like, they would be like, oh my goodness, like telling all these crazy stories to each other and sharing them. Um, but yeah, I guess that's kind of how it was. Absolutely loved it, but also crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I mean, that's military life in general. You know, mm-hmm. like you were saying with the moving and stuff getting lost. Like, you pack up all of your stuff and you're like, okay, I hope to see you in, you know, the next place. Like, and then you're able to take all of these stories that you have and these experiences as military kids. And even, you know, it goes to the spouses and the service members as well. But as military kids, we're able to take all these stories and, you know, this is our first time meeting, but we can relate to so many things because we have all these experiences. And it's just so yes. insane how kudos productive. to our parents. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> like, I think too, um, you were saying your family is like your number uh-huh. one. And, you know, I think that's the way that the military, you know, just shapes us. And so uh-huh. we, I mean, people tell us all the time we are such a tight knit family. And I think that just plays a lot to the military because you never know, you know, stable versus an unstable environment. You know, you have to kind of always be on your toes of, okay, my best friend, you know, she's moving tomorrow, (laughs) like I'm moving or, you know, this person's moving. You never
1: know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. The only people who you can like guarantee will be with you is your family. And, you know, sometimes you can't guarantee the service member because of deployments or trainings or whatever, but you can guarantee that your family is going to be with you. And I mean, that's it. It's really it. Yeah,
1: Definitely thankful. Definitely thankful for that.
0: Yes. Um, you know, so you were mentioning like Things that you learned and picked up, you know, like those emergency situations from your dad's job. Was there anything that, you know, stuck out or, you know, that's still being used and you're still carrying with you throughout uh, your journey and, you know, through adulthood now and throughout your career even?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So. uh... I was actually talking with my brother about this. Cause I was like, I'm going to be coming on this podcast and talking <laughs> about it. And I was like, sometimes like you don't realize like, like how, like, like what you've learned until you talk to someone else. And I was like, exactly telling him about this. And I was like, what's something that you think that we do? That's probably strange. Like people don't do this as much. And like, He was talking about how um, like our whole family does this, like when we walk into um, like different rooms because we're very security conscious, like we tend to look for cameras in the room and Mm -hmm. have to know like where to sit. Because when we were overseas, um, places would be wired. Um, so essentially they'd be listening in to you, um, and like trying to get information and this, um, my brother's the, the eldest in the family. And so sometimes they try to have like make relationships with us in order to get to my father. And so, um, they would start talking to him and then they'd be coming close and they'd be like, this place is wired. We can't talk here. So then you'd have to go into like a bathroom or something to talk to someone about something <laughs> private. And so those things were, um, those things like stayed with us. And so like, we would like, now that we've been a uh, state side for a while, we've kind of relaxed more, but not like all the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's we, like, something that when you we're have with you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you sit like we sit in the restaurants and we like have to face the door, you know, like we have to be alert or like when I'm driving now, um, like I'm always like watching the the mirror behind me. And if someone turns with me twice, like a car behind me, um, I start to think, are they following me? Like, I'm just like, oh, like, let me make a different turn here. Let's see (laughs) if they keep following me. And of course, no one is like, at least I don't feel like they are. But um Like, those are things that I'm just like, hmm, you know, like most of my friends, they're like, we're just laughing in the car, you know, like singing to, I don't know, like Taylor Swift or something. (laughs) Uh, And, and, and they're just like, you know, going on, but I'm like, hmm, is that car following? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Um, they, you
0: know, just like, I think military families in general are, you know, more inclined to look for those security um, you know, Mm -hmm. risks in general. Um, my parents always taught me, um, it was really, they started like really emphasizing it when we went to DC for the first time. Um, Uh which I mean, DC, you kind of need to be alert in that area anyways, but they're like, if you see a suspicious like bag or backpack, you know, you have to say something like if it's just some random, a random item laying around, like you have to say something like, you know, you can't just, you have to be so alert and I mean, everyone yeah. should be alert in general, but you know, especially in your situation when you, where your family and really your dad has this classified information, you have to be alert of your surroundings. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. We, um, right before my dad retired, we moved back to El Paso. Um, and we live right by Mexico. And of course us traveling all the time, we have the travel bug in us. We always want to travel. We wanted to go to Mexico, but we weren't allowed to Yeah, because my dad, um, like like with that, if we went over there and um, were captured, essentially they could use us as hostages to get information from my dad. And so that's a place that we were not allowed to go to um, until afterwards. And we literally live like 10 minutes from the border. So yeah. um, like those, those things like safety precautions on the, really up there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, so we lived in San Antonio for a while at Fort Sam when my dad was in recovery. And so we'd drive, we'd Mm -hmm. be driving and, you know, I'd see signs that say Mexico this way or whatever, like on the freeway. And I'd be like, Oh, cool. We should just go to Mexico because, you know, in a nine, 10 year old brain, like you thought you could just pack up everything and go. It's not
1: that simple. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I love it. I love we it. You
0: can't go to Mexico. And, you know, that's something that was so hard to understand. Um, but it's like, I think a lot of the military, like you just can't. That's one place you don't go. Like, even though there are bases, you know, right by the Mexico borders, like in El Paso or in San Antonio or whatever, you know, you just can't go like, and it's so complicated. And so it's such a struggle to think about
1: because you're like,
0: Oh, I just want to go to the, you know, their beautiful beaches or whatever, but you really Mm -hmm. just can't go.
1: Yeah. There's, it's not just like a simple, like, Oh, I want to go here as being in the military. Even when you're overseas, you have to go through these steps in order to go there. Um, now I finally, I've actually went to Mexico, um, recently like a year two ago, (laughs) but it was fabulous. But beforehand I wasn't able to. Um and so it was always a place because you you know like had that label like cannot go. You know, when you have that red button you're like, now I wanna press it. Yes. (laughs) And it was beautiful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And like thinking about it too, a lot of you know cruises go to Mexico. And so if you're a military family trying Mm -hmm. to plan a cruise You have to like, see, okay, this doesn't go to Mexico. Like we can go here, or you know, there are just so much, there's an extra layer that you have to add on to just travel or whatever it may be saying, okay, we're military. So you have to, you know, avoid certain places or, you know, have extra precaution when you're there.
1: Yeah. For sure, there's certain barriers that we uh, a lot of families who aren't in the military don't recognize.
0: Yeah, and it's so hard to, you know, I mean, anything in general, it's hard to explain the military life to someone who hasn't lived it and they don't understand it. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, they're like, I want to be able to understand it. I want to understand what you've been through. I want to understand, you know, the experiences you've had. But it's so That's what hard. Your podcast is yes. for. <laughs> Listen <laughs> to the podcast. But it's it's still so hard to explain it to someone who doesn't understand it. And mm-hmm. you're like, you haven't lived it. Like, even, you know, from a spouse to a child. If the spouse was not a military child, it can be hard to relate to what the kids are going through.
1: For sure. My mom's actually, um, her parents were missionaries. Okay. And so she grew up overseas. Um, and she lived in Pakistan. She can speak Urdu. Um, she's white. I look just like her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like she always surprises people when she starts to, um, speak in Urdu, but yeah. like, even then like moving and transitioning, like I'm so thankful to my mom because she had to learn to adapt. but there's also um, like different expectations, you know, because you have mm-hmm. to move. Um, but like we all grow and we learn together. Um, yes. and it's and it's this beautiful process and transition um, of becoming who we are within the military family.
0: Yeah. and you know, military brat, you know, brat is an acronym. and no matter how, you know, what word do you use in the acronym? You know, a a lot of people say it's adaptability. And that is one thing that is so true for our military kids and military families in general. They're just so adaptive. And, you know, you can throw us a curveball and we're going to still adapt to it. We're going to figure something out. That's we're right. going to <laughs> take it and just run <laughs> wherever, whichever way we can go and <laughs> try and figure something out
1: exactly actually I, I think it's really interesting that you talk about um the military brat because that's something that we're all called um yes. but a lot of people um, they don't know what that means and so yes. sometimes it has a negative connotation to it mm-hmm. um, and so I just think um personally I think it's really funny um but also it's it's poof stereotypes <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a lot of a lot of other people are like man like military brat like that's what you guys are called and it's just yes. like oh, you don't understand you don't <laughs> like, well, understand. let me explain <laughs> this to you
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so like for me it was so weird so I was born um into the military my dad was um currently serving when I was born and then he took mm-hmm. a seven-year break um about a year and a half after I was born um had an injury he and my mom just got married they got married uh four days after September 11th my I was born my sister was born so he had an injury they were like okay well either you can discharge medically medically discharge right now or you can have the surgery heal up and then we'll send you to Iraq with the guys I think it was Iraq I'm pretty sure, um, but they, like, you you have these two options. And he was like, well, mm-hmm. I'll just uh, medically discharge. Like I haven't seen my, you know, new wife of like it had been yeah. like two years now. I haven't seen my wife. I haven't seen, you know, both of my girls. And so he medically discharged. So I grew up in a home and that was like a civilian life. He had a civilian job. He worked as a corrections officer in Cleveland, Ohio, my mom kind of worked in the schools. She stayed home with us, like, and so it was just this civilian world. And I was still, you know, like a military kid living in this.
1: Yeah, and, for sure, sure.
0: Um, when he rejoined back in 2010, um, it was that he brought home a coin and so, you know, coins are so popular in the military, but he brought home a coin and it was a military brat coin. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was so weird because I, I don't remember hearing the word military brat before that. And I was like, mm-hmm. what is a military brat? <laughs> you know, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> and so. It's not a brat doll. <laughs> exactly. And so that was so popular when I was growing up. I was like, okay, like a brat doll, you know, that's all I saw in commercials for, you know, Disney Channel or Nickelodeon, whatever. And so I just kept thinking, like, am I a brat now? Am I, do I like act like a brat? <laughs> like, what is wrong here? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, going through the stages of military life, like BRAC could stand for born raised and trained, BRAC could stand for, you know, an acronym of like brave, resilient, accountable and tough or whatever that may be. Um adaptive, mm-hmm. like whatever. And it's just it means so much then a derogatory term meaning negative or exactly. whatever it is a positive thing of military kids mm-hmm.
1: yes definitely I I agree with that completely but like like you said um you know a lot of people are kind of associating it with like the breath dolls and yeah. you like no No, no, it's not. I promise. (laughs) It means a lot, a lot more. Yeah. A lot more than that. Um, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: how did, you know, your dad's service in the military kind of, did it steer you in a way of your career today or, um, give you like kind of a, idea in your head of this is what I want to do. And this is where I want to be.
1: Yeah. So, um, actually my dad, um, retired from the military, um, being a hundred percent disabled. He has so many injuries. I don't know the whole medical list. Um, but I know one of the main ones was, um, like a spinal, his, his spinal column, the, he had a disc that basically disintegrated. Mm-hmm. And so they had to put a cage um in his back. And so uh, with that, um he would he's not supposed to be able to walk at all. He's supposed to be wheelchair bound. Wow. Um and so growing up he 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 knew a lot of stuff was wrong and I I would remember as a kid like he would when he was at the house later towards like the end of it um, like he would be falling over all the time, wow. like literally just like, um, and I would be like, you know, as a kid, like worry. Cause you have this mental, like in your mind, like your dad's the strongest person in the world, you know, right. like, like fighting all the bad guys off, especially um, in the military, but mm-hmm, especially in the military. Um, and Instead, you're awakened to the fact that, you know, my dad's human, like, and he, um, he's not doing too great. And so just seeing, um, like the, the pain and the, the suffering, um, for him, because it's not easy, especially when they are in like, like being in the military and they're like, everyone's really fit. You know, like everyone's always working out, always being tough um, to now transitioning to, hey, I might not be able to walk at all. Mm -hmm. And my dad is, which I think is crazy because I'm not a fan of running, loves, like loves to run. Um, And so like now, like whenever he sees people running, like you can just tell like he like. I really wish I could do be doing that yeah. thankfully actually um a huge blessing he's he's not wheelchair bound um That's he can amazing. walk um, yeah yeah he but um like seeing all of that, I just like had this compassion, which I think all of us do um for for people who have health problems. And so I um, actually started to work and I just recently became a cardiac nurse. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm a new grad nurse and um, I definitely think a huge influence on that is um, my father. Like, seeing all that he went through, um, having to be in the hospital, you know, getting rehab. And I think a lot of families go through that. And and it is so hard, but being able to empathize with those people um, that come in and saying, you know, like, hey, I understand you and I care about you. Let me know what I can do to help you um, in those situations. And so that definitely influenced me for where I am now.
0: Yeah. And that's such an incredible story. And, you know, I think, you know, situations like that is where it's like, you know, I'm really helping people and I'm really doing good. And, you know, you're even able to look back and see how your dad influenced you to do that. And, you know, his service, his sacrifice, everything that he has been through with these injuries, you're able to see you know, where those seeds were planted in your heart of this is what I want to do. And this is where I want to be. Definitely. It's incredible. So what is one piece of advice that you would give to a military child?
1: One piece of advice for a military child. Hmm. I guess I'd have to say YOLO. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 um, enjoy the community that you have, like your family, like make the most of it. Um, like have fun in that moment. Um, and as a Christian, I just say, you know, it's not all going to be easy, but prayer really, I know for my family, that was something that was really like that really held us together. Um, Mm. and so that's something that I would, I would hands down, recommend.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, yeah. having faith especially in the military is something that is so helpful, you know, just in general of you know, you're you have faith that you know, your loved ones are going to be safe no matter you know, if they're in the room next to you or if they're in you know, a country on the other side of the world, like you're able to have that faith and uh-huh. know that you know, they're going to be safe, or, you know, it, it'll all be okay in the end. And I think that's just so incredible.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your incredible journey and stories of what you've been through.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely enjoyed it. Yes, thank you.
0: Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of a Military Child podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of a Military Child podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms, or you can send an email to grace.of.a.org. Military.child at gmail.com. Tune in next Thursday to hear another incredible journey.